This is an ABC podcast. The state of recycling of soft plastics in Australia is incredibly poor. If we keep going the way we're going, we're going to see a tripling of the use of plastics into our oceans. We can no longer pass it down the chain and expect someone else to solve it. Australians are avid recyclers, but putting waste in a recycling bin doesn't guarantee that's where it'll end up. The amount of household waste created in Australia has been growing exponentially. But unlike many other developed nations, we don't have a developed recycling industry. So much of our waste is being dumped in landfill or stockpiled in warehouses. Hello, I'm Annabelle Quince. In this revision, the story of waste. Why our waste is being stockpiled and dumped, while other nations like Germany and South Korea recycle over 60% of their waste. And we also ask, what can we learn from their experience? Up until 30 years ago, the dumping of waste was commonplace everywhere. Waste was seen as a health problem. And the idea was to get it as far away from cities and populated areas as possible and to seal it in a big hole in the ground. So historically, the sanitary dimension of waste was the big focus and the main focus of public policy. Essentially dealing with the health risks that waste was carrying with it. I'm Peter Borki. I am the team lead for the Circular Economy Program in the OECD's Environment Directorate. Essentially, it was to collect the waste and bring it as far away as possible from densely populated areas so that it wouldn't cause risks to people's health. And that was very much how waste management was addressed and carried out before the 70s in Germany and in most other countries in the EU and Europe at large. Western Europe, like Australia, experienced something of an economic boom post-World War II. So did that boom lead to an increase in household waste? Household waste generation has been increasing very consistently in, in a linear way, essentially linked to demographic growth, but mostly economic growth. Up until early parts of this millennium, so 2000, 2010, where then in a lot of EU countries, at least, it began to plateau and to stagnate and then also to begin to decrease slightly. So for sure, the economic boom post-World War II generated a lot of wealth and wealth goes along with waste generation. That link has been broken more recently. Germany today is one of the most advanced nations in waste management and recycling. But before 1990, it was divided. The poorer East Germany was keen on recycling, but also the dumping of waste. West Germany, which was wealthier, didn't adopt recycling, but did develop an environmental awareness in the 1970s and 80s. The East was much more poorer than the West, and that's why keeping all the material in a system, in a cycle, was very important. It doesn't come from ecological thinking. It's only because of the poorness of the country to keep it in the cycle. And we had dump sites, not landfills, no sealing system, 
nothing. And we had a lot of problems with the environment. My name is Gerd Moschek and I'm working as a professor here at the university in Rostock in Germany. I'm, let's say, a little bit specialist in biological treatment of wastes. In Western Germany, they found out, let's say in the 70s, that we have so much problems with contaminated lands, with air pollution, water pollution and all this. That's why we have to care more about the environment. And one of these thinking was caring about waste. And they started to install better landfills in the, uh, let's say, beginning 80s to protect the groundwater. And later, after the reunion, these systems came to the whole Germany, of course. And then we saw that this is not enough. If you dump untreated waste, then these landfills will produce landfill gas. Landfill gas contains a lot of methane. Methane and also the carbon dioxide are greenhouse gases. And that's why in 1993, it's now 30 years ago, there came a regulation that said we have to pre-treat all the waste beginning in 2005. That means 12 years later. You have to pre-treat all the wastes you will dump so that no landfill gas comes from the landfills and also the seepage water going to the ground. There is a sealing system now. The quality of this water becomes better. And we started then in the beginning of the 90s to collect recyclable wastes. From the 1990s onwards, waste in Germany had to be recycled or treated. And it was the producers of the packaging who were required to pay via a system known as an extended producer responsibility system. Extended producer responsibility. It was the idea of a Swedish economist in the, I think, 70s to say that the producer or the user of something, he is also responsible or he has to pay for recycling or for waste management of his products after use. And in 1991, we became this packaging regulation. There was written that the user of the packaging, let's say as example plastic, that the user of the plastic, that means who fills something in a plastic packaging and also paper and glass packaging and so on, he has to pay for collection, transportation and recycling after use. And you have to bring a system to the cities where we as people, as users, as consumers are able to put the packaging inside and then by tendering they have to find waste management firms that have to collect, to transport and to recycle this. And this started then in 1991. The way the system works is slightly different in practice. Producers do usually not exert that responsibility directly, but they delegate the responsibility to what are called producer responsibility organizations. So essentially, it's producers teaming together that allows to achieve economies of scale and producer responsibility organizations then receive a fee from the producer for every product put on the market. And they use that fee 
to organize collection, sorting, and treatment of waste, including recycling. Producer responsibility organizations are directly responsible for setting up the waste collection infrastructure and essentially operating the waste collection trucks. While in other parts of the EU, this responsibility is typically still sitting with municipal waste management companies and they get paid by producer responsibility organizations to carry out those services. Of course, it, it costs money. And so the producer, or in our case, the user, the filler, he is responsible and he has to pay the system. And now it's not the case that a firm say, okay, then I will pay. The costs of this system is now included in the product. And let's say we, we pay here in Germany 15 euros, one five euro per year for this system. The costs for collecting, transportation and recycling is included in the product. That means if you have a bottle for shampoo, let's say, maybe it costs one cent or 1.2 cent. And these costs are included in the price if you buy shampoo. Now, of course, at the beginning, producers did not like it. They were essentially presented with a huge issue to solve and a very big bill to foot. And so they did not like it. But since then, the situation has really changed completely. I think now most parts of business are actually asking for the introduction of extended producer responsibility systems because they see that there is a huge reputational risk for them when they use plastics and then these plastics end up strangling fauna in, in the oceans and washing up on beaches around the world. That's very bad for their brands. So I think they have really understood that and you now find very large parts of the business community essentially calling for the introduction of extended producer responsibility systems that allow them to effectively deal with those risks and and also to show that they are taking responsibility for it. So how exactly does recycling in Germany work? Let's take the shampoo once again. If I used it and the bottle is empty, then I find in the front of my house a yellow bin. And yellow bins in Germany are for packaging. For plastic packaging and for metal packaging, I put it there. And then a firm will come to my house, they take the waste, and bring it to a sorting plant. This is for the shampoo. Paper, paper packaging or newspaper, we put in a blue bin or books, journals, and also the paper packaging we put in a blue bin. For glass, normally we don't have a bin in the front of our houses. Then we have a bring system and normally on nearby the supermarkets or on one street and we know the places then you bring the glass there and put it brown, clear or green glass in different waste bins only for glass. And then also a waste management firm will come collect it, sort it and produce new glass. And then for organic waste, I also have one bin for organic waste where I put all this organic waste from the kitchen or from, from the garden in this brown bin, we normally have brown bins then, and then there is one bin for the remaining rest, for the mixed waste, 
where I think I can't recycle it. And then you will find systems in the shops for batteries, textiles, and additional, we have in the cities here in Rostock, we are a city with 210,000 inhabitants. We have five recycling yards. These are points with a lot of containers and also with stuffware where you can bring waste tires, garden waste, construction waste. If you have an old fridge or electronic waste, you can bring there. And when they have containers for these different types of waste where you can put it in. And how important is it to have this level of separation being done by people in their own homes? So what's been proven is that whenever you collect household waste and then you recycle it, you have losses, losses of material that is not suitable for recycling because it has been contaminated, it's not pure enough. And so to achieve the best recycling rates, you want to have households sort the waste at source into as fine as possible fractions. And then you put it through an industrial sorting facility, mechanized one, and that allows you to go the next step and sort it into finer and more differentiated fractions. And this is how you achieve the highest recycling rates and minimize recycling losses. Compared to 30 years ago, how much waste is being recycled in Germany today? Let's say we started with zero recycling in 1990. And then in 2000, we reached the point where we have the same amount of material we collected for recycling and material or waste from the households we collected for treatment and dumping. And now I think nearly 60 to 70 percent of the household waste is recycled and the other part, let's say 30 percent, is treated and then dumped. Over a period of 30 years, Germany has achieved a recycling rate of between 60 and 70 percent. It's done this by putting responsibility for the collection, treatment and recycling of waste onto the producer of the packaging. South Korea, which also leads the way in waste management, has a similar system of producer responsibility and has also implemented the idea of volume-based tipping, where households pay for any waste they cannot recycle. The government put a lot of you know, systems or policies. One was based on the, this kind of uh, concept, so-called producer's responsibility. Actually, waste generator must have a responsibility to take care of that. In case of the household waste, we applied volume-based tipping system. When they are discharging the waste, each household has to pay by volume. So each household must buy the price back from the supermarket different volumes that has a different price, higher price, bigger bags. So the household must pay by that volume-based tipping way. This is Yongchil Seo from Yonsei University. I'm working as a emeritus professor in environmental and energy engineering department. Actually, each household, they have a separate bin in front of the apartment. So 
we have to separate out all of these recyclables, metals, plastics, and papers. Those can be put into different bins. They don't pay anything for that, just putting into right bins. And then rest of the waste which couldn't be go to the recyclables bins, that will be into the volume-based tipping back, the price back. And what about in terms of the amount of waste that is now recycled? Do we see a lot more or larger percentage of waste in South Korea now being recycled? So before 1985, maybe our recycling rate was less than 10%. But this time, maybe after 2010, the recycling rate is very much close to uh, 60%. Of course, uh, some other options was incineration and landfill. So before 1985, the landfill was over 90%. But now, you know, landfill is less than 20%. And also incineration will be around 25%. And recycling is 60%. But that change has been not in the one time, maybe 10, 15 years, 85 to 2010, 25 years. And what's the story here in Australia? Coles and Woolworths customers are being told to put their soft plastics in the rubbish bin after the suspension of a major supermarket recycling program. Last week, the nation's supermarket giants were forced to halt their relationship with the Recycle Program, aimed at recycling up to 20,000 tonnes of plastic waste after it was revealed it was stockpiling plastic the public thought was being recycled. If you're making and using soft plastics or just using soft plastics, it's not enough to set up a collection system. You've actually got to recognise that there is an expectation for you to use that material that you disposed of and bring it back into circulation. For more than a decade, Australia's recycling industry was reliant on China, exporting 125,000 tonnes of recycled plastic in a single year to the Asian nation. China banned the practice in 2017, saying hazardous contamination of the waste was polluting its environment. Historically, Australia has relied on dumping its waste in landfill. And being a big country, that's been easy to do. But as far back as the early 1990s, we did look to Europe and we did introduce a national plan for waste. Stephen Jones is an academic at the Business School, University of Queensland. The first time there was any serious attempt to try and reduce any waste going to landfill was probably in the 90s when the federal government at the time was having a bit of a look at what was going on in Europe And Europe was starting to, there were a few countries in Europe that were trying to get away from landfill, particularly the smaller countries, you know, the landlocked countries where there wasn't a huge amount of space. The citizens were complaining about landfill, landfill sites and the smell, nobody wanted one near them. So there was a push in Europe to try and do something about that. And the Hawke-Keating government picked up on those vibes as well. And they were the first ones to introduce what was called a national plan for waste. And they've introduced the the first ideas about recycling. This is when curbside recycling was introduced in Australia. It was a national initiative. 
And they also introduced the very first Environmental Protection Agency, which was meant to monitor states and their management of waste and try to reduce the impact of waste on the environment. The National Strategy on Ecological Sustainability Development was introduced in 1992, and from that came recycling targets. One of the key documents was called the National Waste Minimisation and Recycling Strategy, which is a collector's item now. And they set targets, as you say, they they set targets for the reduction of different elements of the, the waste stream. And one of the strategies for doing that was to recycle. So the recyclable goods were collected separately from the usual disposal method. Curbside recycling was introduced and targets were set in agreement with the states. The states were willing to come on board with the targets that the Commonwealth set at the time. But like all targets that have been set since that time, they've all been voluntary. There's been no major commitment to by the federal government to make targets mandatory. And the Howard government set in a measurement mechanism in the early 2000s that were meant to measure whether a lot of the initiatives that were being undertaken were actually achieving their targets. And what did they discover through the end of the 1990s and into the 2000s? Was there less waste going into landfill and did we start to recycle more? Well, that's a very interesting question. And I don't think there's any figures that I've found that suggest we were recycling more. We weren't recycling at all. So, you know, any attempt at recycling would have been an improvement on what happened previously. But the figures that I've seen show that there's not been a a reduction in the volumes of waste particularly municipal waste, which is the primarily the waste that goes to landfill. And that's remained pretty steady, in fact, probably increased since that time. There's been no, there's been a shift in the sorts of material that goes to landfill, but there's been no overall reduction in the amount of waste that's been going to landfill. One of the things I found quite interesting, when you look at countries where they have developed quite sophisticated recycling industries, parts of Europe or even, say, South Korea, there has been a kind of an idea that the people who produce the packaging have to take responsibility for it. Now, I'm wondering, has that ever been considered here in Australia? And without that, do you think we're ever going to actually be able to produce a sophisticated recycling industry here? Well, I'll go back to my previous point about the packaging covenant. That was the attempt to get the packaging industry to take more responsibility and a design packaging that could be easily recycled and to provide alternative packaging that could be easily recycled and would give consumers more choice in give them options that could be recycled. Again, that comes back to the preference of Australian governments to have these schemes as voluntary. And so there was no compulsion on different packaging companies 
even though they might have been members of the packaging covenant, packaging companies didn't have to join in on this covenant. But once they did join, they were required to make some level of commitment to do something. But another problem that has existed in Australia for a long time is that the data on waste and the volumes of waste has been pretty poor and uncoordinated across the states. So there was no real serious attempt to have a a fairly transparent measurement system of what the covenant was actually achieving in terms of its goals of encouraging more stewardship by these organisations. In fact, the debate is still going on today that was started in 2004, I think. There was a report at the time that said this will never achieve its objectives. We still have the current environment minister threatening to make targets compulsory, to encourage packaging companies to produce material that can be recycled and to take more responsibility for the disposal of that waste as well. How important have regulations and targets been in countries like Germany, which have achieved an increase in recycling? Regulations are very, very important. If you don't have regulations, then you can't say to people or to companies, you have to fulfill these regulations. And at the end, rules are very, very important. Otherwise, you are not able to bring people or to force the industry to fulfill the regulations. That's why I think the first step always must be to install regulations. And additional, and then I'm coming to the end, sorry, you also need regulations that you have to pay for the service of your city. You have to pay and you have to do it and they have to do the service. You need regulations. What else, if anything, can we learn from Germany's experience? You definitely want to encourage the development of extended producer responsibility systems, ideally harmonized across states and with some guidance provided by the Commonwealth. Typically, extended producer responsibility systems will work much better if they can be designed at the level of the Commonwealth and essentially be identical across states, that will also reduce the compliance costs for the industry very much. The other, of course, is you want to implement the waste hierarchy that creates disincentives for what sits low in the waste hierarchy, i.e. landfilling, incineration, and that encourages everything that sits very high in the waste hierarchy, i.e. waste prevention and recycling, for instance. And I was talking about pay-as-you-throw systems, which typically is a way to also prevent waste and really provides incentives for that at the level of households. You want to have landfill taxes to make landfilling expensive or landfill bans for certain wastes. You want to have incentives to build some incineration capacity, but not too much. We've seen from you know regular surveys of Australian citizens that they are very keen on recycling. And a lot of these issues about recycling and the fact that most of it doesn't actually get recycled has been shown to be something that has really impacted negatively on people's views about the whole waste management system. So I think until we get a broad movement within the community that pushes for 
stronger initiatives and stronger commitment by both government and industry to do something about this, sadly, I think we'll just carry on regardless. Because we can, we can at this stage because we have that option of landfill and the potential to introduce an increase in incineration as well. Stephen Jones from Queensland University Business School. My other guests, Peter Borkey from the OECD's Environmental Directorate. Gerd Muschik, Chair of Waste and Material Flow Management at the University of Rostock and Yong Chil Seo, Emeritus Professor at the Department of Environment and Engineering Development at Yongsei University. The sound engineer is Russell Stapleton. I'm Annabel Quince, and this is Rear Vision on RN. You've been listening to an ABC podcast. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio, and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.